It's bank holiday weekend. You could have been on a long weekend in Magaluf, but you're here at Patton Church. It's so great to see you. You know, we all need a break sometimes. As Kath alluded to, I've been boring everybody who wants to listen and an awful lot of people who definitely don't want to listen with telling them what I'm about to go and do. Go somewhere hot for a few weeks and I've managed to persuade the church it's an important part of my training. So even better, it doesn't come out of my holiday allowance. Yeah. (laughs) But actually sometimes when we're desperate for a break, it's not so much about where we're going to, it's just about getting away for a few minutes, literally a few minutes sometimes. I might be a bit strange, um, maybe the only person here that does this, but I don't know if you ever got to the stage where you think, I'm just going to lock myself in the bathroom for five minutes. I don't care what's going on outside me, but I, I, I just need five minutes of relative peace and quiet, even if I can hear there's a riot going on outside. I've certainly done that on quite a few occasions at the beginning of July six weeks' time. I used to be a teacher. I'm going back to my old school for one last weekend. We're taking 54 teenagers to Munich. And I am sure that there will be an opportunity during that weekend to think, I am just going to lock myself in the toilet, probably just for three minutes, and let somebody else deal with the chaos that's going on in the corridors outside. If you've hung around with us at all since January, you might know that we're looking at Mark's account of Jesus' life. We've reached chapter 6 this week. And we find Jesus and his followers, his apostles, his disciples, the 12 guys that were hanging around with him, in a place where they were just desperate for a short break. I don't think it really mattered to them where they went. They just needed to get away briefly and have some peace and quiet. If you want to follow along with where we are, we're in Mark chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 30. It's all going to be up on the screen behind me, so don't worry if you can't see it. And it begins, The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place, and get some rest. And they had good reason for being pretty tired. Jesus had been training up these 12 guys over the last period of time, and he taught them to do all sorts of things. He taught them to teach people that God's kingdom was nearby. He taught them to drive out demons, and he taught them to pray for people's healing. And then having taught them all this stuff, he said to them, right, I'm going to put you in pairs and I'm going to send you out. You're not allowed to take anything with you and you're going to go and do all the stuff that I've been teaching you. And at the point that we pick up the story, the disciples, the apostles as it calls them there, they just got back and they were bursting with stories of success and adventure and they were desperate to sit down, just a small group of them, and have a debrief. They'd seen great success. Mark sums it up like this, just before where we started today. He says of the 12, they went out and preached that people should repent, turn around, start living their lives for God. They drove out many demons and and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. So they'd seen great success, but at the same time, they'd had one of those stomach-punchingly awful moments that occur in life where actually life had gone in totally the opposite direction to what they would have been hoping. 
their great ally, great friend, John, Jesus' cousin, often called John the Baptist, had just died in the most grotesque manner, and they just learned about this. John the Baptist had been in jail and joined a party at the palace. The king's stepdaughter had asked her dad for John the Baptist to be beheaded. And he'd had his head lopped off, but the really grotesque thing was the way in which they dishonoured his body. They put his head on a plate and paraded it around this party. So the apostles were desperate to get away because their heads were buzzing with success. But at the same time, they'd had one of those moments where they realised that following Jesus doesn't make us immune from the real awful truth of some of what happens in life. And thirdly, they were just peopled out. They wanted to get away because they'd been successful. They wanted to get away because of this stomach-punchingly awful news that they were trying to absorb. And they were just peopled out. They may have seen great success, but Jesus wasn't finished with them yet. They may have just had stomach-punchingly awful news for them and for Jesus, but Jesus wasn't finished with them yet. They may have felt totally peopled out, but Jesus wasn't finished with them yet. In fact, he'd barely begun with them. In the same way that we might feel peopled out, we might feel like life's taken a real nasty turn for us, we might think we've got great success behind us. But not only has he not finished with you and not finished with me, but the truth is, he's barely just begun. And as we read the rest of this story, this account, we will see that Jesus has barely begun with these guys, and he's barely begun with you and I. So, reading on, verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. But this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Where are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they went and found out, they said, five and two fish. Jesus then told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave it to his disciples to distribute among the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls full of broken pieces of bread and fish. When the number of men who had, eat, uh, the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. 
They see a situation that is not possible to deal with. They ask Jesus, Jesus, deal with this. We've got to find dinner. We've got to find something for these people to eat. And Jesus turns around to them and says, you give them something to eat. We read that a miracle took place, but you didn't need to believe in miracles to know that something extraordinary was going to have to take place if they were going to be fed. And Jesus turned around to them and said, you give them something to eat. And they immediately begin fact-checking him, telling him reasons why it can't happen. It's going to cost more than half a year's wages. We've only got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus had said to them, you give them something to eat. Jesus called them to do something that was seemingly impossible. And yet, at Jesus' instruction, they began to move towards what he called them to do whilst it was still impossible. I don't know if you noticed that, that these disciples were told to go and get everybody to sit in groups and in their heads, they must have been like, yeah, but where's this food coming from? The sun's beginning to go down. Jesus isn't actually doing anything about this. He just keeps talking. Jesus tells them to begin to move towards what he called them to do. So although there was no sign of the food, they begin to organize people into parties to sit down and to eat. And there's an insight here into God's character. You can see the same thing happen again and again and again and again in the Bible throughout the hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the Old Testament, and throughout Jesus' lifetime itself, and throughout the history of the early church, that when God asks people to do something, when he puts a call on them, he asks us to begin to move towards that call whilst it's still an impossibility. There was no sign of the food and they were asked to start behaving like the food was about to materialize. I mentioned a few moments ago, I used to be a teacher. And there was um, a moment, quite a long time ago, where I felt God put it on my heart, just strength of feeling, I guess, in my thought process, that it was the right thing for me to do to become a teacher. It was what he was calling me to do for that time in my life. Now, if I decided to sit at home and think to myself, God, I think you've called me to be a teacher. I'm just going to wait here until it happens because you've called me to do it, so I'm going to wait here for it to materialize. Because like with any call that God puts on our life, whether it seems possible or impossible, God calls us to move towards our calling whether it seems obvious that it will happen or whether it seems impossible. As it happened, my route into teaching was a bit bumpy. I had a place all sorted out to train on the job. I went for some interviews, got all that sorted, and then a month before it was about to begin, the school that was going to employ me decided they didn't have enough money in their budget. And then I'm like, did I really hear this? Have I made it all up? God, did you say this? Sometimes when we begin to move towards our calling, it can get a bit bumpy, but the call for the disciples that Jesus gave them was not only to hand out the food, but to begin to start planning for it when it still seemed like it was impossible for it to happen. Some years ago, when I was a young person, so obviously quite some time in the past, um, I was traveling with a group of Christians. 
And um, we were visiting churches and Christians in northern China, and we were crossing over the border into Russia, and we were running out of cash. And so we were praying every day that we would hear exactly what God was calling us to do one day at a time. Partly because when you've got very little cash, you really have to listen to what God's saying because you can't rely on yourself. And we felt ever so clearly that God had told us to cross the border on foot because it was the cheapest way and then to go to the train station and try and get a cheap ticket once we, were, once we crossed the border. So we did that, went to the train station, went in. We didn't realize it was a big public holiday and all the tickets had sold out. And I remember it was a hot evening and we were sat on the platform thinking, what on earth are we going to do? Have we really heard God in this? And a little voice, a little prompt inside said, if I've told you to do it, just keep going. So we went back into the ticket office and waited there and somebody walked in and handed back the number of tickets that we needed to get on the train. It's a funny little story. It could have been coincidence, except that we see this same pattern again and again and again in the Bible that when God asks people to do things that don't seem possible, he asks them to begin to move towards their calling before it's clear how it's going to happen. There was a guy that lived hundreds of years before Jesus. Um, His story was ancient at the time that Jesus was born, Moses. Um, If you want to read about him, the second book of the Bible, Exodus, tells his story. And God called Moses very clearly to do an impossible task. He was to lead a nation of a nation who had no army, who had no government, who had no structure to organize themselves, he was to lead them out into freedom. And Moses argued with God about this a lot. But as you read his story, you see that Moses has to begin to start to move towards his calling, even when it looks utterly impossible. And he sees the miraculous power of God as he moves towards his calling. I don't know what you feel like God has called you towards, if anything. Maybe you've got a neighbor who's lonely, and it's sort of on your heart to reach out to them, but you don't know quite how to do it, and you can't really see what you've got in common and how you're going to make friends. Well, some of that's up to God, but if he's called you to do it, start to move towards your calling. You maybe have got a brilliant business idea in your head. You think, I feel like God's given me this great idea. I can see a gap in the market, but it seems like such a big leap. It's going to be too big a thing for me to do. The miracle working, that's God's responsibility. Our responsibility is to begin to move towards our calling. Maybe you're a parent and you know that God has put a calling on your life to raise your children to the best of your ability, but you just don't know how to do it. Well, you've got to trust him for some of that, but he calls you to begin to move towards your calling. Mark, when he wrote this account of Jesus' life, I feel like he really wanted to underline in his account that it isn't just some metaphor that, you know, if we try hard, things go further than we think they might. Because he he goes out of his way, as you read Mark, he's really concise with his words, but he goes out of his way at the end to say that not only was everybody fed, but there were 12 basketfuls full of bread and fish that were left over. This really was, Mark wants us to understand, a miracle. 
It's not some metaphor for like, yeah, just keep working towards your goals and they'll happen. Jesus really did work a miracle on that day. He worked that miracle as the disciples began to move towards their calling. God has a call on every one of our lives. Every one of our lives, whether we realize it or not, he has a call on every one of our lives. And he calls us all to begin to move towards our calling. You might be in a place where you think to yourself, I will be fake, I need a sign, I need to know whether this is actually for real. And God calls you to begin to move towards what might or might not be a calling. Leave the miracle up to him, but begin to move towards your calling. It's easy to get tired. I don't know if you're ever like this, where you just think, oh, I've been doing something for ages. I want to give up. I can see something newer and shinier and brighter and more attractive. My mind jumps around with ideas all the time. I have a new idea every week, um, and I need to swallow my own medicine on some of this and start to begin to move towards some of those callings. But you know what? Sometimes, as we begin to move towards our calling, we can think, oh, I see something over here. This is a quicker way. This is brighter. It's shinier. It's more attractive. It looks better. And sometimes, beginning to move towards our calling is keeping moving towards our calling. And I believe as some of us have had deep calls of God on our life for many years and we've known it. And God's encouragement to us today is to keep moving towards our calling. Don't worry about the stuff that looks impossible. Don't worry about the stuff that looks like you can never achieve it. That's fine. That's his, that's, that's his to deal with, the impossible. Our task is to keep moving towards our calling. Some of us have had great success in the past. Some of us have had truly stomach-punchingly awful episodes in our life recently. Some of us are just tired of people. But not only is Jesus not finished with us yet, he's barely begun in what he's calling you to do. He's barely begun. And as that becomes clear in your mind, and as it becomes re-clear in your mind, and he reminds us of it again, keep moving towards your calling. It's where we see the wonder-working, miracle-working power of Jesus as we move towards our calling. 